One step. That's all he asks for. Just one step. For some of you, that one step is you being here today. And I remember the first time I was coming to church, uh, I had to come to church because I was uh, in a home that required me to go to church. And I didn't want to, but once I stepped foot into the church, and it was this church, I thought, not that bad. It's not that bad. They had a, a band that was playing. You know, that's what I knew them as. I didn't know it was a praise and worship team. And that, that, that's what they were doing. I thought, wow, rock and roll. Look, they get an electric guitar. They have a drummer. So they're, they're, they're happening. But I came to know Christ in that way. And, and for many of us, one step is all he's asking for. Because he sees the final product. He sees the final picture. Now, we have these paintings up here because we had some artists paint some abstract paintings in illustrating just the steps that it takes to have a final masterpiece. And so as they were painting, the thought in my mind was, what are they painting? And the challenge to them, to them was to use only three colors, and they would have to paint something abstract that they just felt to paint. Now, they all came up with something different, and I thought... You can stare at a blank canvas as long as you want, but it never changes unless you make contact with the canvas. And it reminds me of my life with God, that I'm a blank canvas according to God because Jesus came to wash me clean. So I'm a blank canvas according to God, but nothing happens unless I come in contact with God. No sense stay a blank canvas for the rest of my life. God wants to paint a masterpiece. He wants to do something with my life. And I can have the best brushes and the best paints, but if this does not come in contact with the canvas and nor with the paints, then nothing changes. Everything stays the same. And God has given us the ability to do greater things in our life, not by ourselves and not who we are, but in who He made us to be. And so it's going to require this relationship with Him. Now, you might be thinking, yeah, but I don't want this relationship with God. I don't, I don't, I don't think I need one. Church is good enough. I can do certain things. And, and if I just come to church, then I think I'll be okay. Why do I need to have this relationship with God? Well, that's what we want to talk about today. Because God is going to, only going to ask us to take one step at a time. He's not going to ask us to just do everything in our entire life all of a sudden. Imagine if God did that. If God showed you your future and what it's supposed to look like. Imagine when you were first married and then the Lord said to you, you're going to have nine children together. What would happen? Or you're going to have a baby girl. You're going to have a baby boy. You're going to have four girls. You're going to have four boys. You're going to have one child. You're not going to have any children. What, how would that change us? For many of us, we, wouldn't, we, would, we would be paralyzed because we wouldn't know what to do. If you said, oh, you're going to own this business, you're going to have this company, you're going to marry this person. How would that change our life? See, God gives us bite-sized increments every day, narrows it down to the year, month, day, hour, and second, because that's all we can handle at a time. One step is all He asks. That's all He asks. And if God wants to do something in our life, if He's going to do something great, it's always going to start with something small. Pastor Jerry asked you to take out your notes, and 
Before we jump into our message, I want to give a little bit of background of our Forerunners Breakfast and our Forerunners Day. That's actually a day in which we honor our kupuna, to honor those that have paved the way for us, who have uh, helped this generation to be raised up. And everything you've done and everything you do makes an impact on the next generation. Now, some people ask, they say, well, so uh, what is the age for this uh, Kupuna Day? And so we had to find an age, okay? So this is just the age we're looking at. It's 55 or better. (laughs) That's the age. It's 55 or better. And you might think, oh, I'm better. I'm 90. I am the best. So that day, you get free breakfast. So you'll have a special breakfast for you. Uh, we'll also do other things in, uh, on that day. And they're actually putting together a bingo lounge. Now, that'll be fun. you got to have to come to church first. You just kind of hang out in the bingo lounge and go <laughs> tell your friends, Oh, yeah, I was at church today playing bingo. In, you, you, yeah, you're going to attend, but we're going to have fun. It's going to be a great day. You can invite as much people as you want because it's, it's for you. And it's going to be just a great time. If you have people that you've been trying to invite to church and they're within that bracket, by all means, invite them. And we just want to honor those, as the Bible says, where honor is due. And for all that you do, God sees. And for all that you've done in your, the life of your family and, and uh, your children, uh, God sees all of that. And so we want to say thank you to all of those who have paved the way for all of us who are continually... Uh, growing up in this community and around the world. So that's what our Forerunners Day is all about. We also have an opportunity uh, because our heart at this church is always to reach out to those that don't know Jesus Christ. And so on December 10th, it's a Monday night, and I'm not sure if it's in your bulletins yet, uh, but you can go to the information center and and get uh, more information in detail. But on December 10th, we're going to have the Katinas come here for a concert And you can purchase your tickets at our information center, but the tickets are going quickly. Uh, They have the prices over there. I don't like talking about prices in church. Uh, I just want to let you know my heart because I I never want to dishonor the Lord in doing monetary things. I I hope you catch my heart. So that's why a lot of times I won't say prices. Um, I'm very cautious when we talk about money in church. I want to be honoring to God. And so when you go outside, they'll give you the information that you need. We also have dinner packages because we need to eat, right? So we're going to serve food that night, and uh, dinner will be served from 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock. And we want to do it well so that you and your family can come up and have a great time. Uh, we won't have child care because we're inviting all of our volunteers to be there that night too. And so you might be thinking, but what about my, I have a baby. Well, you have enough time if you want to find someone to watch them that night because it'll be in December. Uh, and then some of you might say, but can I come in here and bring my child in here? Uh, every ticket will be for every uh, seat, every head that comes in. So uh, I would say be cautious about that because it'll be louder then it's normally on Sunday morning. Not too loud, but loud enough to where I would be very cautious on the little babies. Uh, so I would just say, be cautious on that. So that's coming up December 10th. Mark your calendars. They're going to kick off our Christmas celebration and our Christmas season. And the reason why we we're letting you know early is because the tickets are going fast and you want to get a hold of them as quickly as possible. But we do these things because God said, I've created a place so that you can reach out to people. And so you can invite your non-Christian friends, and it'll be in a great environment. 
And also a part of that is us doing everything possible to obey God and taking the steps He's asked us to take. Because He only asks us to take one step at a time. And we want to do that. Well, you might be someplace in your life and you're thinking, well, I, I want to do this, I want to do that, but I just don't know where to start. You dream big, but you got to start small. And that's what we want to talk about today. In the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says this. He says, Come to me, all you, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And what Jesus is saying is, you got to take a step. You come to me because there's something that I'm planning for your entire life. Take my yoke upon you. In other words, the life that Jesus has for us is not as heavy as the life we build for ourselves without him. He has a greater life for us, but we can't see that. We don't see the final painting. We just see a blank canvas and we're afraid to take that step forward. Because we don't know what it's going to look like. But a life with God is so much greater than a life without God. Many of us have been redeemed, we've been saved, and we have a different life now. And if we were to look back, we would say to ourselves, I don't know how I survived without God. Because He's that good. Do bad things still happen? Absolutely. We live in a corrupt world, a world full of evil. And you and I are living in this world. There's evil in the heart of man, and that's what God wants to purge out. But it takes our part to step closer to Him. That's why He says, come to me. See, every single person is able to achieve a masterful life by understanding how God gets us there. And whenever God asks us to do something, He asks because He sees the end result. He knows what He's looking for. It's like a, a, an artist. Usually you see the final product as you're painting and people would say, oh, you forgot this color. Oh, did you do that? Or did you do this? And in your mind you're thinking, I'm not finished yet. As a carpenter, you're building something. You miss a nail here. You'll get back to it later. Somebody comes and says, hey, you forgot this, you forgot that. In your mind you're thinking, I'm not finished yet. You'll be painting a home and you'll use the primer and the owner will come and say, hey, wrong color. I'm not finished yet. And so it is with our life. You'll look at your life and you'll say, oh, this and that, this and that. And God is saying, I'm not finished yet. I'm still doing something so great that you don't even understand it right now. And He wants to do that. Well, how do we do that? The first thing, and if you're taking notes, you can write this in, to draw near to the Lord. Nothing happens to this canvas unless you draw near to it with a paintbrush and paint. Draw near to the Lord. If we want God's favor, then we must come close to Him. It's just a part of this relationship. We cannot hope for His mercy unless we approach Him and ask for it. We always hear about, oh, the mercies of God, the grace of God, and then we wait for it. We're thinking, there's nothing. I don't feel anything. There's no grace. There's no mercy. Why is all this happening to me? The question is, are you drawing near to the Lord? Because we got to do our part. James 4.8 says, draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. We cannot come any nearer to God than what we already are. Because He's always around us. We cannot come any nearer to God than what we already are. I cannot come any nearer to you than what I already am. It takes one step for me to come nearer to you than what I was. And same thing with God. He asks us to draw near to Him. Nothing happens unless we draw close to Him. Nothing happens to this canvas unless paint touches it. 
it stays clear. Nothing happens with our relationship with God unless we come close to Him and touch Him, have that contact with Him. I have an older brother. His name is Nathaniel, and we call him Nat for short. And he's six years older, so, you know, when, when you're that far in an age gap, sometimes the trouble that you cause one another is, is that much more greater. And he used to put his hand in my face just to make trouble. And I'd say, stop it, knock it off. And he would say this, well, I'm not touching you. I said, yeah, but it's irritating. Yeah, but I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. I'm not doing anything. He, was put, he would put his face in front of my face and say, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. And then I'd say, knock it off. It's irritating. Yeah, but I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. Air is free. Air is free. Yeah, slow as one punching them out, but I'm not doing that to you. And he'd just tease me and tease me and tease me. And finally, I'll get frustrated. I'd say, Mom, now it's making trouble. What is he doing? He's not touching me. What? And then I thought, you know what? I'll just close my eyes. And so I closed my eyes one time and he's doing this. I said, I can't see you. I can't see you. And he said, I'm not touching you. I can't see you. I can't see you. And nothing else happened. We're done. It's like neutralized. And I thought, nothing happens unless we touch God. And he touches us. Nothing happens. God wants to make contact with us. We can learn everything we can about God, but if there's no contact, nothing happens. Nothing takes place. Well, how do we draw near to the Lord? How do we do that? For some of us, we pray. That's a step forward. That's one step closer to getting to know God. We pray. We talk to God. We ask for direction. Some of you, this is one step closer to the Lord. You draw near to God by attending church. And then we come closer to God. We get to know Him. We get to know His voice. We get to know His Word. And we grow with one another. And we draw near to God. And He says, when you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. And so this is what we do. It's a part of drawing near to God. Meditation. We think upon the things of God. We meditate on His Word. Some of you would tell me, you say, oh, I'm so thankful for the notes. Because I take notes in the morning. Sometimes I try guess. Sometimes I get them correct. Sometimes I get them wrong. But what I do is I take that with me. And before I go to work, I review it. Okay? One, number two, number three. And it's easy because you only give three points. I can remember three. And so I read it, read it, and I pray. Okay, God, help me as I go to work. And then you go to work, and it's a hostile environment, but then you're pondering on the things of God. You're meditating on the things of God. You're thinking things through. So when someone bites at you, you don't bite back. You go back to the Scripture and says, Oh, be slow to speak. Be slow to anger. I understand your frustration. But this is what we need to do. And it's different than snapping back because that's an automatic reaction from our flesh. But that's how we draw near to God. Sometimes it's worship. We put on worship music. I tried this uh, when my children were growing up because sometimes they would grow up grouch, uh, uh, wake up grouchy. You know, you try to wake them up, wake them up. Oh, I'm tired, I'm tired. I'm sure you know if you have children, you got to wake them up. And, and so some, sometimes we would have to like bribe them. And so we would make their cereal for them. We would, uh, sometimes they would take a shower in the morning. So we turn on the shower and say, come on, just get up. Just get in the shower. You'll be okay. And so we try everything possible. And what I was finding is nothing was really working to get them off in a good mood. Because the mornings are tough for some of our kids. Because they're sleeping at 2 o'clock in the morning, texting their friends underneath the blanket. And you don't even know parents. But I'm squealing right now on all you guys, so I'm sorry. And so they would wake up late in the morning. And so what we would do is we would just put on positive music. 
would put on positive music and we would send our kids off with positive thoughts. And I think that's one of the ways that we draw near to God. It's playing positive music, worship music. And we just play that. And when, when we're listening to it, subconsciously, we're taking note of it. Everything we listen to and everything we see is deposited in our hearts for a later withdrawal. It's always there. Yeah, but I just listen to the beats. There are certain lyrics that are on that sound, on that music that is in your heart. It will come out. It will. Everything we watch, everything we see is deposited there, ready for withdrawal at any time. And God says, when you, when you take one step closer to me, whether it would be prayer, meditation, reading his word, then what it does is it, it draws him nearer to us. And it gives us that contact that we need with the Lord. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, I know this stuff. You're telling me things that I already know. I've been a Christian for years. I know these things. That's basic Christianity. I know all of this stuff. Almost sounds like our children. I know. Did you? I know. Hey, you know, when you do this, make sure. I know. I know. I know, okay? I know. And when you go out, just be careful. I know. You told me all my life. Be careful of the boys. Be careful of the drugs. Be careful. I know. It sounds like us with God. But this is what Matthew says in Matthew 15, 8. Jesus is speaking. He says, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. God is after the heart because once he gets the heart, then everything else follows. And when he captures our heart, then when he speaks to us, boy, we can understand, oh, I got that. I can catch that. Because now I... I I'm close to the Lord and He can speak to me and I can walk with Him. Draw near to Him. And the Bible says He'll draw near to us. We cannot reach our full potential being distant from God. doesn't matter what age we are. We just cannot reach our full potential being distant from God. Yeah, but I don't know God. I don't have a relationship with Him. You cannot reach your full potential being distant from God. Maybe your first step is getting to know God. One step is all he asks. Oh, if I, if I say yes to God, then, you know, I, I, don't call me on stage. Don't, don't tell me to do something. One step is all he asks of us. Just one step. Because he sees something greater, but it takes that one step. None of us who draws near to God will find him unwilling to bestow on us His blessings. None of us will ever find God at a place where He says, I am unwilling to bless you. He's the one that blesses us. He's always willing to bless us. It's usually us that are disconnected from Him and are distant from Him. Now, why, why do we draw near to God? And, and why would God bestow on us His favor and His blessing? Why would He do that? And why do we come to a place that, that we forget that, that drawing near to God is a wonderful blessing? Many of us forget this one thing, that God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ, so that we could be, and we call it, saved. Sometimes we wonder, what does that mean, being saved? I don't, I don't know what that means, being saved. Well, on a computer, if you're working on something... You know how frustrating it is if you're working on something and you lose it? 
So what Jesus does is he says, I'm creating something for your life. A masterpiece. I'm, I'm doing something in your life, but I must save it. When he saves us, it's called redemption. He redeems us from a life that would be lost without him. Yeah, but if he saves me now and I have all that junk from my past, that's going to be a horrible future. No, no, no. He saves us from our past, redeems us for his future. So the things we used to do, he turns that around and he redeems it for him, but we cannot forget why he redeems us. You can write this in your second point to remember that I have been redeemed for a purpose. There's a reason why God redeems us. There's a reason why he saves us. There's a reason why you save something on your computer, an essay, a a book report, uh, finances. You save it because you're going to use it for something greater. You're not just going to save it just to stay on the computer. You're going to save it to use it for something greater. You download pictures from your camera that you took from from your family photos. You're going to use it to make a book or a, a slideshow or something. There's a greater purpose then why you saved it just for information. God has a greater purpose in why he redeems us. And sometimes we think that what we do and the skills that we have is for us. We think that everything that we've been gifted to do is for us. But it's not for us. Did you know that everything that we possess, the gifts and talents that we've been given, is to be used for God? And you might be thinking, well, I, I don't know how to use it for God. I can't, I can't do everything people do up here. I, I don't know what to do with the gifts He's given me. Just start with taking one step at a time. Just understand that you've been redeemed with a purpose. See, there is no stronger expression of God's power and grace than the gift of salvation. That's the strongest expression of God's power and grace. It's the gift He's given to us called salvation. And it's for a purpose that this power of salvation is expressed. And it's found in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. And it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared when? Beforehand, so that we could walk in them. One step. That's all he's asking for, that we walk one step at a time. He's redeemed us for a purpose. You have a purpose for your life. You don't just exist. And all he asks for is one step at a time. There's many of you who do good works because you've been saved by grace. And you understand that. You serve, you volunteer, you give. Many of you are giving to the building fund. In fact, right now, I want you to turn to the back of your bulletin. And on the back side of the bulletin, you can see the monthly giving towards the building fund in the month of August. And you gave to that. Many of you said yes when you heard the Lord speak to you in giving to the building fund. That you understand there's a purpose for this facility, for this building, for this place. And many of us came to know Christ in this building because people like you gave to it. There's many of you who give to our our scholarship fund because we believe in higher education. We believe in in people's dreams that that they say they want to pursue a degree or a career. And then God has called you to do something in the community. And 
And people give to the scholarship fund. And once a year, we give these scholarships to people who, whose hearts are dreaming to do something great. And you're a part of that. You give to that. Some of you give to missions because you have a heart globally and you want to see people come to know Christ around the world. God's going to use that. Some of you tithe and you believe in what God is doing here. And I want to speak to those of you who have been tithing and, and maybe some of you who have just been starting. And, and even for those who maybe you didn't take that step yet. But usually after a while, sometimes you forget why you tithe and it becomes a routine. And it's not necessarily something that is selfish anymore, but it's something that's been forgotten. That you tithe because it's a habit. And that's and it's fine. But don't forget why you give. And don't forget what it goes to. It goes to different ministries that we have. There's, there's many of us who hurt. And we're just looking for something to help. And we have many ministries that people come to that may not ever attend church. They'll come to our, our hula ministry or our, our youth ministries. They'll come to our Fit for Christ ministry They'll come to a senior event. They'll, they'll do these different things and they'll, they'll be around godly people. And because of you and what you have done and your gift of giving, that person may never come to you and say, thank you for giving. They may never come to you and say, thank you because my life has been changed because you gave. They may never say that. Don't ever forget when we give, someone's soul is attached to that gift. Because we put it in the hands of the one who touches our soul. And we say to God, I'm giving this to you because you know how it's going to be work best. And it's going to be used for ministry purposes. It's going to be used so that many people can come to know you. And so personally, I want to say thank you. Thank you for giving so that people can come to know Jesus. That is the greatest gift that we can be a part of. Is when somebody feels hopeless. And finally, they find hope in God. We, we, we only lose sight of what we get to be a part of when we've forgotten that we've been redeemed. I cannot forget the day I received Christ. Once we forget that, then everything we do has no substance to it. Our Plus One program, some of us will be a part of that. And and I'm not sure what this month's uh, product is, but every month we have a special uh, food item that people are a part of this Plus One. Anybody can be a part of this. That when you go shopping, you buy something for you, and then you think of someone else, and you buy something for them. And it doesn't have to be anything great. One step at a time. It could be one can good. It could be one box of cereal. It could be one can spam, one can Vienna, whatever it would be. I remember when Heidi and I were struggling, we came, we were at this church and it was the food bank or our food uh, pantry that our bread of life that was able to give to us. And it's very humbling to say, I'm in need. But that's why we're the church, that we help one another. And I am so grateful that we got to come to a place where we had, we found food. And now it's our turn to give back because someone did for us. 
And so what we do is we just buy something and something extra. We drop it off at our information center or the, the office. And I, I can't tell you what an honor it is and a blessing it is for me to see when a family is in need and we give them a package of food. You may never see that because you're not physically here, but I get to see God's blessing on a family that felt like they have no more food. And they said, there's a place that I can go to that the people give. And that's you. You play a part in the bigger picture that God sees for this church. You are a wonderful giving church. And I am honored to be serving here at this church. There's no greater place I'd rather be than this place because of your hearts to give. Because all you did is say to God, I'm just going to take one step. That's all. I'm just going to take one step. It may not be something so-called great in the eyes of people, but it doesn't have to be great in the eyes of people because it's great in the eyes of God because He is a great God. And anything we do for Him matters in this world. Anything we do for Him. So whatever gift you have, whatever talent you have, whatever you're using for God, continue to use for God because it's reaching eternity. It's not just a temporary thing that we do. Never forget that you've been redeemed the purpose for your existence. Now, there's things that we do that God will use because we've been redeemed from that. And I thought, well, what, so what are some things that God will use that He's redeemed us from? Well, some of you love being with people. You know, when you were growing up, you're, you're that party person. You just love partying. You love being around people. And some of you are still there, and that's fine. You love to party. But maybe God wants to use that as a way to bring joy to the church. That you're the one who brings life to the party. You're the one that brings life to people. And God says, I want to redeem that. You used to be the one that would entertain at the parties and everyone would get drunk. Now you're going to be the one that is joyful for me. So that everyone else would catch that joy of the Lord and that will be their strength. For some of you, maybe you've been redeemed from a, 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 a past that your energy was being used somewhere else and you were doing things that were not good, things that were ungodly, and God says, I want to redeem that energy to be used for me. And so now you serve. You use that energy to serve. The time you would take to do other things that are not godly, now you do the things that are godly. All he asks for is one step. That's all it takes, one step. Because you've been redeemed. For some of you, and, and I feel this way, that God gave me a voice. That He allows me to speak. And so He's going to use me to speak. He's going to use me to preach the Word of God. And God has given you a voice. Some of you, He's given you an ability, like Sandy right now, translating. He's given you a gift. And it's going to be used for the kingdom of God. See, everyone has a gift to use for God. Some of you you, you, you smile and you light up the place. You have a wonderful smile about you. you. You bring joy to people. You could be a greeter and just say, good morning. What is your name? Oh, I don't like one name tag. So what is your name? They're going to make up a name for you, so might as well take one. I forgot to put mine on this morning, sorry. But you just add joy to people. Some of you, you can talk good, so we have our information center available. Some of you have been given the wonderful gift of being Poragi. It's a good gift. It's a wonderful gift. 
Uh, some of you not laughing. You know. But it's a good gift. God gave you a voice. He gave you a voice. Use it for the gospel. Use it for the kingdom of God. Some of you, he gave the gift to cook. We, we have food here all the time. Go see Eugene and say, Eugene, I like cook. Just tell him. Yeah, tell him I sent you and it's just in case. But we all have a gift. Some of you love to sing or you're a musician or you love playing an instrument. And maybe God is saying, I want to use your gift. Well, I'm not, I'm not there yet. Well, just take one step at a time. Just consider it. Pray. Ask God for direction. Because His timing is the perfect timing. Just one step at a time. That's all He asks for. Now this one, uh, I had to really think this through because uh, this is a life that, that God has redeemed me from in this category. <clears throat> and many of us fall in this category, but I'll explain how He redeems us from this. That many of us are quick thinkers. We can think quickly. So we con people. We, we take shortcuts quickly. We can get out of situations quickly. We can lie quickly. We can, we can turn any situation into a better situation by lying. And so we have quick thinking. Well, God wants to redeem that to be used for Him now because He gave you that quick wits about you. He's the one that made you to think quickly. But it's not to be used for the ways of the world or our old ways. He wants it to be used for Him. And now He wants to use it for His glory so that we can problem solve. That when something is not going well in someone's life, we can think quickly and say, Lord, how can I help this person? That you'll stand no longer in the lines of, oh, I just want God's blessing. I want His blessing, which is okay. But now we stand in the line of, I want to be the problem solver. I want to help in the kingdom of God. The line is long for the blessings of God. Very few people stand in the problem solving line with God. Very few. But you'll hit both when you stand in the problem-solving line with God. You'll be able to problem-solve and be blessed at the same time. Whatever God gives is to be used for Him, but we forget that if we've forgotten why we've been redeemed. He redeems us for a purpose. He wants to use us with a purpose. Our soul, our heart should find joy in doing things for God and, and serving God. But once we forget that we've been redeemed, then we'll lose that joy. Psalm one, uh, excuse me, Psalm seventy-one twenty-three. It says, "I will shout for joy and sing your praises, for you have ransomed me." In other words, when we remember that we've been ransomed, life becomes that much more joyful. I can't help but to shout the praises of God. I can't help to be joyful because I remember God redeemed me. He turned my life around. And you know when someone's heart is in it. God sees our heart. He knows when our hearts are in it. And He says, I start with the heart. I want your hearts involved in it. You and I both know when the hearts are in it. There's this a TV program that there was a, I think it aired for a couple of weeks. Uh, it was called The Week the Women Went. I don't know if you saw this, but they took a small town and, and had all the women take a vacation for one week, I believe. One week. Left the men there with the children. Yeah. <laughs> 
I don't know if that's safe, but that's what they did. It was an experiment. And so the women left. They went on like this vacation and the men were there. And some of them, they didn't know how to change diapers. They didn't know how to clean the child. They didn't even feeding them. They had a difficult time. And, and so they, they just went through this experiment. And boy, were the men appreciative of their wives. And I know all the wives are saying, yeah, I should go on a vacation and see what happens. One week. That's what Heidi said. She said, hey, that would be great. I said, what? She goes, I take a vacation for a week and you do everything. I said, nah, it's not the Lord. That's, that's, not, that's not the Lord. I started thinking, about, I got to pay all the bills. I got to do this. I got to do that. She does a lot. Our wives do a lot. And so by the time the women came home, the children were excited to see their mommy. And some were, you know, okay. But there was this one child who started to act up. And his sister kicked him. And he started to, you know, uh, fight back. And, and the mom said, what's wrong with you? And he said, she kicked me. And so she's disciplining her son. And he starts yelling at her. And she says, knock it off. And they're having this little confrontation. Well, he storms off and slams the door. She comes back, opens the door, and says, you tell mommy you're sorry. Sorry. Just like that. Exact voice, same pitch. Sorry. I was thinking what you're thinking. If that was us and this was Hawaii, turn the cameras off. Turn the cameras off. I let you know when you turn them back on. And so they, that's what he did. And she said, no, you say you're sorry and mean it. Sorry. And she kept saying that over and over. And I was impatient. I was like, oh, auntie, I don't know how you can take this. <laughs> and then they had to have him calm down and he calmed down and he calmed down and he calmed down. And then later on he came back and then he went to his sister and he said, I'm sorry. You could see the heart change. You can see the difference. Yeah, we know the heart. We know when the heart is in it. And that's what God looks for. He looks for the heart when the heart is in it. Once we remember that, wait a minute, God is looking at my heart. Then I don't have to worry about everything else that I've done. I've been redeemed. And God helps me to get to, as the Bible says, go from glory to glory. He makes us better and better and better. When the Lord asks us to be a part of something, number three, you can write this in. Just take one step when the Lord speaks. That's all He's asking. Just take one step when He speaks. When I have a dream of some kind, it can be a big dream, start small. Just take one step at a time. He's not asking you to do whatever you can to get there. All He's asking for is that you take one step at a time. And the reason is so that we don't run ahead of Him. Have you ever had your children run ahead of you and then they turn around and you're gone because you was going in a different direction? He doesn't want us to run ahead of Him. Otherwise, our emotions and passion take over rather than His direction. When we would play at night, we would carry a small flashlight and and we would have trails that would lead in the bushes and we would cut trails. and, And when we would play at night, we would use this flashlight to see where to go, where the path was. But not just to see where to go, the flashlight also gave us Enough light to show us where we shouldn't go. As important as it is for us to know where God wants us to go, it is just as important where we shouldn't go. And when the Lord speaks to us, just take one step at a time. That's all He's asking. Because He lights our path. Here's what Psalm 119, 105 says, that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. He lights our path. He shows us the way. 
because He's guiding us. He tells us where to go and where not to go. He helps us. It's like with our children, our grandchildren, we tell them no because we, don't do this, don't do that. We always tell them no because we're telling them where they shouldn't go. Now, don't go over here. It's dangerous. Don't go over there. And we've got to tell them no. We have to correct them. We, gotta, we have to help them. That's because we know where they shouldn't go, but we know where they can play and where it's safe for them, where they can learn better. God does the same thing through His Word. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean just the Bible, because the Bible, yes, is God's Word, but He also speaks to us in our spirit. But if we're not in the Word, we won't know what He sounds like. We won't recognize His voice. That's why it needs to match the Word of God. Sometimes people will come to me and they'll say, Oh, the Lord said this, but it's not according to the Word of God, and it's opposite. Then I would say, you go and search the Scriptures and, and get into the Word of God because He's going to speak that route too. And He's going to confirm it in His Word. And when God speaks, all He asks for is just one step at a time. He's going to show us where to go and where not to go. Sometimes we have these big dreams for our life, and that's great. And we try to reach them all today. But He also tells us, no, this is where you shouldn't go. Yes, you have these big dreams, but here's what you shouldn't do. But just take one small step at a time. And He'll direct us, He'll lead us, He'll show us which way to go. Take one small step at a time. You want your marriage to be a certain way? Take one small step at a time. You want, our, you want to raise your children a certain way? Then take one small step at a time. You want your family to be, you have vision for your family? Take one step at a time. It, it's just one step God asks us. Our, our careers, what we want to do, he, just one step at a time. You want this promotion, and you think you're just going to jump into it. Just take one step at a time. Maybe you need more training. Maybe you need uh, more skills. Whatever it would be, one step at a time. Some of you want to be married. You're thinking of marriage. Take one step at a time. Because that's for life. You don't go into the marriage thinking, well, if no work, then no work. No, no, no. You're going into your marriage knowing it's going to work. For Heidi and I, we said from the beginning, divorce is not an option. It's just not going to happen. We're going to make it work. And so if you're already thinking in your mind, oh, divorce is an option, take one small step at a time to get better and better in your relationship while you're dating. Because if it's an option, it will be your option. Take one small step at a time. Date one another. Court one another. Get counseling, wise counseling. Be accountable. Be a part of what God wants to do in your life. Starting a small business. Maybe you want to start a business. You don't have to just you know, expand all of a sudden. Just take one step at a time. One step at a time. God will help in that. I love this story about Peter. When Jesus asked Peter to come out of the boat and walk on water and just take that one step at a time. Because it was the disciples who saw Jesus walking on the water and they were afraid. But then they recognized that it was Jesus. And, and Peter said, Lord, if it's you, then tell me to come. I'm walking on the water. And, and so here it is in Matthew 14, 28 and 29. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you, walking on the water. Jesus said, yes, come. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Now, I, this would have been a great story to end right there. That Peter got out of the boat, started walking to Jesus. Da, 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 da. And then the end of the movie, the end. Oh, Peter, you're awesome. You walked on the water. Now notice he walked on the water. He didn't just kind of float to Christ. 
He didn't drift to Christ. He walked to Christ. He took one step at a time. Even walking on water requires one step at a time with Christ. But the story continues in Matthew 14, 31, uh, 30 and 31. But when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, uh, reached out and grabbed him. And he said, you have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Before doubt sets in, distractions will come up. But even though we have a million distractions, there's always still that one path that God has paved for us. Distractions will lead to doubt, doubt to depression. And then we begin to sink furthermore. I want to encourage us, take that step, one small step. That's all he's asking. Whatever area of your life, when the Lord speaks something to you, take one step. That's all he asks of us. Because sometimes... That one step that we take is the last step to take in entering the promises of God. Amen? Amen. Let's hang on to that promise. You can close your Bibles and put away your notes, and we're going to pray together. We're going to continue next week in God, people, and change lives. We had these artists paint these pictures, and... um, it's just interesting that everyone has their own flavor. And we just said, paint something abstract. And I know for some of you, you're thinking, but I don't see what they see. Some of you will gravitate towards this one because you love the Denver Broncos, so you love the colors. So you relate to it. Some of you will relate to this one because you love the colors of the Vikings or Lakers or something like that. Some of you will love this one because it has the Christmas colors. And, and so you have these, feel, uh, these feelings towards different ones. But... But that's like our lives. Everyone is different. God creates us all different. But individually, we all have a story. And there's a story behind every single one of these paintings, and we'll bring the stories later on. But you're a story that God is putting together, and it takes one letter at a time, one step at a time to put this story together. And we're going to pray that we continue on with what God is doing in our lives. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, every single person here today matters to you. That you ask us to do certain things and you ask us to be a part of not just this church, but but in our community, in our family, in our, our homes. You ask us to be a part of serving, giving. And it's just one step at a time. So I pray this morning that whatever you speak to us, that we'll take one step at a time. That's all you ask. One step. And we'll be one step closer to what you're, what you're calling us to become. We don't want to take one step backwards. We want to go one step forward, one at a time. I pray for those this morning, Lord, that maybe their one step is to draw near to you through the gift of salvation. Maybe they've never said yes to you. And you may be here this morning and you're saying, I've never, I've never given my life to Jesus Christ. I don't, I don't know how to. I don't, I don't know what to do. But I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You can say this prayer and, and mean it with all your heart. And it's giving your life to Jesus Christ. And here's the prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. Wash me.
and make me brand new. I want to be the person that you're making me to be and that you see me to be. Use my life to glorify you. Thank you for redeeming me. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and eyes closed, I want to pray for those that said yes to Jesus. And and if you would raise your hand right now, in doing so, you're saying, I just said yes to Jesus. And if you did, could you just lift a hand right now? Good. God sees your hand. God sees your hand. Good. You just received Christ. Good. God sees your hand. Many hands. God bless you. Back there. Right here. God bless you. Right here. God bless you. God sees your hands. He sees your heart. Bless you in the back. Up here on this side. God bless you. Bunch back there. God sees your hand. You put your hands down. Lord, for those that just said yes to you, the Bible says that all of heaven rejoices. There's a party going on in heaven, and Lord, we celebrate those that said yes to you. We're so thankful for the gift of life for all of eternity. I pray from this day forward that they will get into your word, they will hear your voice, they will walk with you and obey you, because the greater blessings are yet to come. And so I thank you for those that said yes to you. I pray for all of us, Lord, as you speak to us, that we will take one step at a time, that we would be people who represent you well, that we'll be people who reach out to many who do not know you yet. May we use our gifts for you and our talents for you to glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen.